0: She is the Vice President of Customer Education at MailChimp. MailChimp is a leading all-in-one marketing and commerce platform for entrepreneurs. Welcome, Erica. How are you today?
1: I'm great. I'm super excited to join you this morning.
0: I'm really looking forward to talking to you as well. So let's just start from the beginning. Tell me your journey from uh, where you started and you you also studied sociology and black studies and then you made your way to MailChimp. So I want to hear about your journey and some of the aha moments along the way.
1: I did. It, it was a, a strange one. And whenever I say it out loud, I definitely have some moments where I have to shake my head a little bit. <laughs> it's it's an it's a unexpected path. Um, I did uh, go to a, a small liberal arts college and got my degree in sociology and black studies. Uh, neither of my parents went to college and they were very uh, curious and a little bit shocked with, with my course of study. Uh, They assumed you go to college to become a a banker or a lawyer or something like that. And uh, so we had a lot of long conversations about what that would look like. Uh, So right after college, I spent a year in uh, Philadelphia as an AmeriCorps VISTA volunteer. So that was an opportunity to really kind of engage in the community and think about big problems and how do we uh, sort of put the right tools in people's hands at the right time. I think that that um, really came from uh, growing up. It was always really important for my family to be able to to get folks together, figure out how we can help, how we can be engaged in the community. So that went sort of as a linear line through my whole career uh, from nonprofits, uh, working with great organizations like Outward Bound, um, then helped to uh Worked through disaster relief and recovery after Hurricane Katrina uh, with a uh, hands on network, a part of the Points of Light Foundation. Uh, worked at Home Depot for a little bit and then um, really got into corporate social responsibility and thinking about, you know, again, empowerment. How do we really work to leverage who we are and how we do it? All that kind of t- came into the world of marketing technology because uh, whenever Again, like whenever I've had that chance to really think through what can we do to make folks really have the power to change the way they're doing something and to truly impact the world and themselves, it's magic. Uh, So I I ran a small agency here in town, then uh, moved into working for an enterprise level uh, ESP, and then moved into Mailchimp which is just really been an incredible journey
0: that's quite a story so what <laughs> is it about empowerment that uh, has, I guess kind of drawn you towards I mean I think that I think that's the common theme we're going to see uh, in our discussion uh, uh, what is it about that that really draws you and uh, motivates you
1: yeah you know it's um, I think I've never been um, a person in a, in to be able to just sort of kind of give without the other side of it, give without the teaching, give without sort of creating that opportunity to learn. And that's where empowerment really comes in. Um, A big attractor for me to move to MailChimp is, you know, they've got this mantra, empower the underdog. And I love it. Like it's about taking that opportunity to think about how do we educate our customers? How do we educate our employees so they feel like they've, you know, got the talent to make an impact, that they can make a difference through these new skills and awareness and then that inner confidence that you get whenever you know, you, you've become empowered. But also from that, it's that chance to, to take a step back and challenge assumptions. There's some things that we all do just because we do it. Doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. So whenever we're really empowering folks, we're really just creating that that fire in their belly, so they can go through and do really, really cool things.
0: So tell me about customer education at Mailchimp. What does that entail? What does that mean? Since you're the vice president of customer education, there
1: it's a lot. Uh, you know, I love the way we approach it at Mailchimp. It's not just uh, educating our customers; it's also educating. Our employees. So um, on the customer team, we've also have our sales team, we've got our customer success team, we've got our support team. So we come in early on with those folks and we help to teach them how to use the app, what MailChimp is, what's our philosophy for how we approach issues and problems. And then we create a like language. So folks are all sort of speaking the same thing. Then when they go out to customers, they're saying things in a way that the customers are going to see in our educational outputs. So, on the other side, we're creating all of the content in the knowledge base. We're creating uh, YouTube video tutorials, live webinars, uh, opportunities for folks to really kind of dig in and connect and figure out, you know, how to use the app. I think the thing that also makes us unique is we're not just working for the the how. We're also working toward the why. And that's where you get that rich educational experience on both sides. It's not just upload your list, put your tags in, send your email. Why am I doing this? If as a customer, I understand, okay, here's the things that I've done, but here are the outcomes that I should be able to achieve. And here's the next steps that I need to think about that's where it gets really, really cool. And I think that that's where everybody has that opportunity to, to grow in ways that they never thought possible.
0: What are some of the key benefits you've seen about educating employees and customers that you've seen has made a big difference?
1: Yeah, I think that like language is the thing. Um, but you know, we, we've all had those experiences where we've been sold a product or a service and talked to somebody and, and, you know, we thought we were, were I don't know, buying a, an X and then something goes sideways. And I try to talk to the support folks and they're explaining it in a different way. I'm using a different word or a different language. Whenever we can make sure that folks are approaching the issue and at the core, just speaking the same language, that it is a customer journey, you know, and then folks can jump in, makes it so much easier and that's the, the, the key part, I think, because, you know, we all have that moment. If something doesn't work right and we have to learn, you know, we're hopeful that folks can come in and just sort of learn leisurely and uh, sort of understand what happens. Sometimes things break. Sometimes we do it wrong. Sometimes we're trying to do something that, that is sort of out of our bounds. So if we could decrease that level of anxiety by a simple thing like a word, then that's that's um, I think where we've got a, a fantastic win.
0: Has the approach to education changed over time at Mailchimp, and if so, how?
1: It has, and I love this. You know, we've we're really working toward scalability. Um, we've historically pumped out a lot of content, which is great. Um, one of the things that I also love about uh, Mailchimp as a product is we're continually upgrading it. We're always trying to change it, make it better. That makes it hard around educational content. If the navigation moves from the top to the left, suddenly we've got to change the knowledge base, the videos, any reference anywhere. What we're doing is we're moving towards scalability and, and segmented content. So if we do need to make a change or a tweak, we can do that easily. So we can hop in and you know move the nav on the examples or something like that. So we can be swifter with our educational opportunities. And we're working toward really meeting the customer where they are. We all learn differently. We all have different moments of need for education. So, you know, I, I might not have 20 minutes to watch a video. I might not be a great listener. I might be more of a reader. I might want somebody to hold my hand and do it with me. We're really working to create opportunities on all of those levels, so customers can identify how I want to learn, which I think is the key. We've all had those situations, at least I know I did growing up, where you know, learning math was different for me than learning math for somebody else. If, if we would have been able to take that step back and think about how I process, I might have liked math a little bit better at school. <laughs>
0: So are you saying basically you're now uh, evolving to give more and more options so that they can just choose whichever method works for them?
1: Exactly. That's the goal, you know, to be able to get there. It also creates comfort. You know, we all want to be able to feel good and feel excited and want to learn more. I think that's the thing that we're really um, working toward to be able to get to that. So folks are not only wanting to know the how, but again, they are really trying to dig in and get to that
0: why. What role do you think customer education plays in the overall success of a business or the, the growth of the business?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I like to think of customer education is that kind of the fuel for it for us, since we really get to work with um, our folks as they come in the door to help educate them and empower them. That's really sitting at the baseline, how folks are engaging with the product, how folks are talking to our customers so then, you know, we've got sort of that side covered. Purely within the educational pieces, it's that chance to drive adoption. So if I can get folks past sort of the kind of pulling the levers and setting things up, I can suggest to them, hey, here's your next step. Hey, maybe think about this. Um, it's really helping to also create a, a connection to the product. Folks feel that love, you know, maybe we get some brand ambassadors out of it. Um, And then folks, you know, want to continue to use the product and, you know, it's kind of moves us more toward leading indicators for success than lagging indicators. So if a customer is in here and I can see they've consumed content that, you know, shows they're an early adopter, shows they're considering how to grow their use of the platform this, our uh, customer success team can also come in and say, this person gets it. This person wants it. I want to make sure that they're capable to propel their business and be better.
0: So you mentioned you have a mantra at MailChimp, empower the underdog. Tell me a little bit more about that. How did that come to be? And what does that truly mean? And how do you guys do that at MailChimp?
1: Yeah, we've got a lot of mantras at MailChimp, but I love it. You know, it's, you know, it's the thing that um, sort of drives our culture and drives us to be who we are. Um, we're fortunate we were recently purchased by Intuit. A lot of their you know, core beliefs and mantras are very, very similar. Um, so it is about sort of being strong, being deci- decisive, uh, sort of being awesome. But Empower the Underdog specifically is uh, at MailChimp, We were built to help small businesses, you know, and with the connection with Intuit, we want to be that center of small business growth. So when we're thinking about underdog, we're thinking about who's that that kind of business that's launching and how will they use the product? I also, as the organization has evolved, we're kind of flipping that mantra into that underdog might be the recent college grad that's a marketing strategist, first job at a mid to large size company. That's an underdog. How do we help that person be successful? How do we help that person in particular use the app? So it's, it's core to what we do. It's core to how we function. And it is really, really working to make sure that folks have that chance to truly be awesome.
0: As you're pursuing this mantra, have there been some aha moments that you've seen as a result of this mantra?
1: You know, there have. I think for me, a big thing is, and another mantra that we have is, listen hard, change fast. Um, you know, that is so incredible. I think that an organization is really pushing to that. Uh, for me, some aha moments is, they always come listening to customers that is my favorite thing to be able to interact with customers whenever they're, you know, I had somebody reach out the other day and they were like, these gifts are goofy that you've got in, in MailChimp. Why are you doing this? Or, you know, even more so if it's a customer that doesn't understand how to use our content, that's our chance to really dig in and do something different. And quite honestly, sort of get out of those patterns that we talked about earlier it's, um, you know, we've got to challenge those assumptions. We've got to figure out, you know, what's relevant now is so important because probably what was relevant two years ago isn't anymore.
0: I think you have multiple departments at MailChimp, right? Uh, customer success, uh, education, so on. How do all the different departments seek the voice of the customer? And then how do you all kind of put that all together and Let the key ones percolate to the top.
1: Um, We're really, really fortunate to have uh, strong executive leadership at MailChimp. So the customer team, uh, like I mentioned, has a a lot of groups sort of within. That gives that opportunity for sales, CS, education, support, communications, operational strategy to all work together and know what everybody else is doing. On top of that, we're aligned from an organizational perspective with corporate communications, with customer communications, with strategy, and with marketing. And so sort of those cross-functional lines work very, very smoothly. So, you know, the the executive leaders on all those functional areas know what one another is doing. We're also aligned uh, on cross-functional goals and initiatives that gives us the chance as the educational team to sit with product to sit with engineering and marketing to solve problems for our customers that we really need to address we document everything which is fantastic it's not real until it's documented but we're also really good at socializing it and i think that's the key to make sure that not only the leaders know what's going on but you know the the frontline person that's working with a customer knows what's happening. Sometimes we stumble, like everything, but you know, I think when we have that commitment to open and transparent communication, that's when everybody can get on board and they know what's going on and folks know true north.
0: So how do you socialize that? I think one thing is to document it, but to get people or people that have time to read all of that is very difficult. So Sounds like a lot of it probably happens through the socialization. And how do you do that?
1: You slack all day long, every day. Um, and, you know, blessing and a curse for sure. So we do a lot of posts and uh, socializing around that. I will say uh, at MailChimp, it is fantastic. I've never seen a company be willing to take a pause like MailChimp is to be able to talk about cool stuff that's going on in different parts of the organization. So we have consistent uh, all hands meetings. We have a meeting just within the customer group called the mega meeting where, you know, folks that are individual contributors or that are working on a, a special experimental project can come in and report on what they've done. All those things are recorded. All those things are made available for folks to look at on their time, you know, whenever they have, if they can't attend the live meeting. I think another thing that is really key to that success is, um, access and it's, a it's kind of a fine line. Uh, a lot of times folks will say I have an open door policy come and ask me anytime, but then you try to open that door or you, you try to get on their calendar and it's four months out. We've done a really, really good job um, to be able to create opportunity and access. So, you know, if somebody wants to ask the president of the company a question, they figure out how to get access. They figure out how to get that on their calendar so you can have a talk with Alex if you want. It's pretty cool.
0: So how much of the insights that you guys gather are quantitative versus qualitative? And how do you strike the balance between the two?
1: We are data-driven on the customer team. Uh, our chief customer officer, uh, Kareen Roman, came from LinkedIn. She is incredible, super smart. Uh, she's really brought that drive toward data uh, to the organization. Um, like I said earlier on, we do have an operations group within the customer team specifically. And so that's the group that helps us gather data. Um, They're helping us through great tools on the app. They're helping us through uh, um, surveys to our customers. And then available and accessible dashboards to everybody. Anybody can take a look, see what's going on at any time. Uh, We've got a strategy department within the organization that's always studying things, but willing willing to listen. So if I raise my hand and say, hey, I want to know about this way a customer is consuming YouTube tutorials or something like that, they'll figure it out. And then they'll also sort of give me the qualitative, which I think is great. That's one of the things that, um, you know, from, from my experience, whenever we can balance that, I always want to have the data and, and I always want to sort of see the numbers, but you've got to read between the numbers sometimes. Um, and that's where, you know, on the other side, we're encouraged to talk to customers, we're encouraged to listen to customers. Uh, Sometimes those, you know, one through five uh, scales on uh, on a um, survey that comes out, doesn't really tell you what's going on. Or, you know, whenever you can talk to customers and you can understand and feel what they're feeling, then you can really kind of play with the data and
0: understand where you need to focus your attention. Well, that's what gets you to the why that you said you guys are interested in earlier. Yeah, absolutely. You all recently launched a customer advisory group. Tell me what led to that and why did you guys decide to do that?
1: Yeah, this is new and we haven't done it before at Mailchimp. And uh, from what I understand, we've tried uh, and you know, just a variety of barriers have gotten into the way, but I'm so excited that our customer advisory board launched. Uh, it's been maybe four weeks ago that we launched. The goal of this was to bring together a diverse group of customers. Uh, so this is based on um, customer size, based on industry, based on you know early adopters. We also have a subset uh, within MailChimp called our MailChimp partners. So those are agencies and freelancers who use MailChimp with their customers. So those folks are also on the the cab, the customer advisory board. When we bring this group of folks together, we have a couple opportunities. One, we can show them new uh, enhancements to the product. Does this make sense for you? Do you understand it? Two, what do you like about the product and what is too hard, silly? What do we need to change? And then three, what do you want from the product? That's a great opportunity to sort of hear that dreaming and scheming with our customers uh, to to kind of help them uh, sort of expand their mindset, which is really great. We get to experiment with cool things like working with those folks on quarterly business reviews, trying to figure out what's important in there. But I also think one of the, the exciting things that I'm seeing emerge from this is that chance to connect. So to connect these businesses with one another. So, uh, you know, our, our folks on the cab, they can lean in, Hey, how are you doing this in your business? How are you being inspired in the, you know, e world and that might not have anything to do with MailChimp, but the fact that we're creating an opportunity for our customers to connect and, uh, resource share, thought share. I think that's really, really amazing. And I'm excited to to see how that goes moving forward.
0: You're seeing already that in within four weeks is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, one meeting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. So I think you you probably will be seeing a lot more. I think and again it goes back to, you know, I think if people have more conversations, it's just amazing what you can learn and opens up your horizons on both sides, right? And, uh, sometimes you think customers are going to use something one way, but then next thing, you know, they figured out another way to actually use it, uh, differently, which can spark some other ideas for innovation on your end as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think that's the thing it's, um, that's where I think the cool things start to come together to see people's creativity and to really, uh, kind of see what happens when they're let loose and to what you said they're talking to one another, they're interacting, you know, since, since we are so zoom dependent these days uh, it's harder to sort of socialize or go to whatever conference and lean in and ask uh, your peers what they're doing. So to be able to see this happening, I think is really, really exciting.
0: If you were to give advice to a a startup uh, regarding customer education, advisory boards, what would you tell them and when should they start doing it?
1: Start doing it immediately. I think that's the thing to be able to have that resource for folks to ask questions, to gather. Um, I would definitely encourage them to figure out how, and this is something we're working on at MailChimp. How do we um, create opportunities for our customers to interact with each other outside of a, a cab? That's, that's very structured and, you know, we can't have every single one of our customers uh, sort of engaged in that opportunity. How do we create places where folks can interact and where folks can um, talk about their creativity and their, their use of the product? I would definitely encourage um, those small organizations to also include education like we've done at MailChimp so that it is uh, you know, engaging the salespeople, the CS group, the support, working closely with marketing um, to be able to have that sort of multi-tiered approach. It it just creates that full wraparound of your customer. And, and it helps uh, just sort of make it feel natural. And I think that's the key. You know, we all want to feel at ease. We all want to feel that sort of, oh, it makes sense. Feels good. And whenever you can do that and use education or, you know, skills technology or whatever you want to call it to be able to be that, that cornerstone, I think you're going to have great success.
0: Yeah. I've learned that, you know, once uh, it's always one thing to do something, but when you actually have to educate someone on it, you actually get a 360 perspective on the whole thing and you actually learn a lot more. And it's just kind of a feedback loop with, you know, the people who are educating and then they're kind of educating you in a way back. And forth and just kind of builds on it. it's a really uh i find it to be energizing and interesting
1: yeah it's amazing and it gives you a chance to experiment i think that's the thing that you know uh sometimes in this field um we're all a little too worried oh my gosh it's got to be so polished it's got to be perfect it's you know we, we can't say um too many times when we're going through it but you know to be able to to make sure that Hey, we're still experimenting to know you can record it again, to know that the, the key is to get that information into people's hands. You can shine it up tomorrow, but let's get it out the door. Let's figure out, you know, what the good parts are. And then we build, measure, learn around it.
0: As a consumer and user of other products and other brands, what do you think other brands miss or do not properly when it comes to education?
1: I think that, you know, Apple's done a great job with their, their way to, to bring together their customers. Um, I think to be able to use education is that place where folks um, sort of feel that brand loyalty, sort of get to understand that they can connect with it and that they can become better Um, LinkedIn's doing a great job of that. You know, it's got sort of the, the functional here's the things, but to be able to jump into the LinkedIn learning so smart, you know, it, it gives me the opportunity to take a class, learn something more, maybe connect with other folks, um, you know, the way we did or connect with other folks that are interested in those learning opportunities, um, I think it's the connection that, that is so important. And we've got to really double down on that, uh, as we move forward to, to sort of be successful as organizations and quite frankly, be successful
0: as humans. Is there anything on the horizon that you think is going to impact customer education?
1: I think micro content is really interesting. You know, it's, uh, the way folks are consuming content with TikTok, the way folks are, you know, just sort of creating content um, quickly and putting it out there. I think that will definitely impact. Um, One of the things that I would love to be able to do is uh, grab a bunch of teachers. I think teachers, as you know, we we sort of went fully digital and folks were trying to figure out how to work through the pandemic. They, they, it was totally lo-fi. They were trying to figure it out. They were trying to engage a population of folks, of students that might not want to be there some days that are definitely sort of working through all the emotions. What did that group of folks do to make their education compelling and uh, help folks show up? I think there's something in there. And I think, you know, if, if anybody has the time to do that, I'd love to, to jump on the bandwagon. I think we could find some really, really incredible learnings and opportunities and apply that to how we're working with customers and how we're engaging uh, folks through education.
0: So it's interesting what you're saying about micro content. Are you actually saying, are you exploring maybe educating through TikTok with a little bit of? tongue in cheek and education combined or what what, what are you thinking there?
1: We haven't gone that far and I'm a terrible singer and dancer. So (laughs) (laughs) that's not going to happen. Um, but you know, we are trying to figure out like, how is that working? Um, and so what are the mini moments we're doing some interesting things, uh, on our Instagram around reels. So what are the things that we can teach a customer in under a minute? It's going to have value? What are the things that we can point out to a customer in two minutes that's uh, at least going to make them scratch their head or have that aha moment to take a step back and think about, you know, how am I doing this? Um, yeah. So I, I think it's sort of having that bite-sized consumable content is, is something that um, we should all be thinking about, quite honestly.
0: When you're creating this educational content, uh, what role does being entertaining play in it. I'm just curious because that's a little bit needed to keep people engaged, right. Especially for longer videos. And, and so you can only do so many things in one minute or two minutes at some point you do need to do some things a little bit lengthier.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true.
0: So what role does entertainment play in and how do you strike that balance?
1: I I think that it's about that connection. So, you know, we always try and have with the content, you know, you'll, you'll see, uh, bright, colorful backgrounds, you know, you'll see sort of weird things that you might be like, Oh, what's, you know, why is that uh, book magenta or whatever it might be to sort of keep your eye there and, you know, kind of do the psychology behind it. But I think honestly, the thing that we do well is that the content is natural. That's the thing, you know? And I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, we see on, things like tiktok or instagram or whatever it is like you can tell that it's it's a normal human being doing it um so if we can make sure that it's compelling that it feels natural folks are going to watch um and you know some sometimes we try to be a little silly or pop a joke in there and sometimes it (laughs) lands or sometimes it doesn't but you know i think to just sort of have that that uh experimentation and have that willingness. And I think also, you know, for us have the room to try, I think that's what keeps folks uh, taking a look at it.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. I think people do somehow know and recognize when someone is truly trying to help them versus selling them. Right. I I don't think education should be used as a method of selling though. Of course it's kind of in a way as well, but the main uh, focus should be really helping. And I think people can distinguish the authenticity of, when someone's really trying to help versus trying to have some other objectives. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, it's um, I think as people, we can uh, we've got that sort of other sense where we can feel it. And it it is about authenticity. You totally nailed it right there that it's, um, you know, I'm here to help. I want to help empower you. I want to help you be better. And then I, and then I want to, sort of watch you run off and be that next humongous business. I think that's, that's the just incredible part of being uh, involved in the education world.
0: Who in the world of marketing or customer education would you love to have lunch with and why?
1: You know, I'll cheat. I always want to have lunch with my customers. And so, you know, I think that's the thing. It's to be able to know what they're doing in their marketing, to be able to know how they're leveraging and engaging their customers um, through MailChimp or through, you know, through other opportunities. I think for me, that's where I would learn the most. Um, I want to make sure that we are staying fresh, that we are uh, taking that chance to innovate, taking that chance to experiment that sometimes, you know, whenever you're big and, and humongous, you, get a little scared, you know, and, and you can't do it. So yeah, I I would love to have a series of lunches with some little guys that are, that are really crushing it.
0: Great. Well, I want to thank Erica for uh, sharing your experience, your journey, as well as, you know, really, I think uh, helping us understand that education should be truly authentic. Um, And it's an important role um, for almost any business. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and uh, look forward to continuing our conversations.
1: I love it. Thank you so much. It's been amazing.
0: Thank you. Getting to AHA was brought to you by iResearch. To find out more about us, head to iResearch.com. And make sure to search for Getting to AHA in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. And don't forget to click follow to ensure you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you for listening.